This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kira Mawera. Kira Sam, how's it going? It's going very well indeed. Who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Heather Carsten. Heather I met uh, some time ago when I appeared on her television show. So she's a TV director, she's a cook, she's a writer, uh, she's an author of books, she's uh, been a horse trainer, she's been everything and currently the editor of the King Country News. Welcome Heather, thanks for joining us. Good, I was going to say good morning but we've just gone afternoon, I think the the daylight saving has tripped me up and I'd be one of the first to do it. Welcome, Heather. Where are you, Heather? Based in Tikawiti for the moment. Tikawiti, it's the sharing capital of the world. It certainly is, and we, we, it's our, our, our big event every year, of course, is the, is the sharing competitions that we have here, and um, yeah, there's no shortage of sheep and uh, beef and dairy, I can tell you that. Home of Jim Bolger, Colin Meads. Yes. It's a famous little place. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, we, we like to call it um, the place where legends are made, and that's our tagline. So if you're looking for legends, and there's lots of them, Nanaya Mahooch is one of them. She is from our area. Um, Maniapoto, of course, is our iwi here, and they have a um, there's a large uh, presence uh, throughout the country of people who have made their mark who come from our little town. So we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and now it's getting complicated because we have to explain which bubble life. So let's go for last year's bubble life. How was bubble life for you last year? Well, it was quite interesting because, um, I'm, as, as Mara has said, I'm the editor of the uh, the King Country News, which is a regional paper, and that uh, operates between Tikwiti, Otrahonga and Taranui and all the coastal and interior areas. So it's one of the largest geographical areas in the country that a regional uh, community newspaper covers. But, of course, the government in its wisdom, and, and, and I won't say, no, actually I'll withdraw that word, it was a new thing for all of us, it was a normal that nobody quite understood. So they decided at the time that the only uh, newspapers that should publish were the daily ones, which had the news. But, of course, we don't have a daily in our region. We've got external ones, like you know Waikato Times, sort of out in Hamilton, which is an hour or so away, that kind of thing, but nothing that covered the area quite like we did. So we had quite an extensive fight um, on our hands to be able to, to publish because we also fall in that 4% of the 96% that don't have a lot of um, internet coverage in our remote areas and aren't likely to get it. So, of course, the newspaper is the most important thing. So I, we, we, we eventually we got them to agree that, yes, we were an important part of the, um, of the region and that we needed to continue to publish. 
um, and we did that. Um, so it was it was interesting trying to find news where quite literally there wasn't anybody, any everybody was staying at home, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was um, including us. So it was it was quite interesting. We had to work from home and try and find news stories when there was there wasn't much to be had out there. <laughs> so you you managed to successfully argue you're essential, and then now what? <laughs> It, it was quite a bit like that. Yes, it was. But, but you know, life goes on. You live in you live in the country. Things. There's a lot of essential workers. Farmers, of course, which were the backbone of our country then, as they are now. There's always lots of stuff that that was happening. And you know, so we we found that we could manage to fill our papers relatively well, much the same as we've had to do this year. But you know, practice makes perfect. We're we're old hands at it this time around. Yeah. Is it? Harder, or maybe it's easier because it forces everything online to keep a your, your sort of your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the community to find those stories. Um, this is where I mean I've been a journalist now for forty <clears throat> odd years, and I, I have to admit, back when I first started, you had to get out and you had to leg it to find the news. That was just the way it was, you know. Or you you might know of somebody who had had a cup of tea with somebody in the cafe down the road, and they told you this, that, or the other thing, and that was how you found the news. But of course, we now have this wonderful thing called social media. And it does make for lazy journalists. There's no question of that. We have, it's how we find a lot of our stories. And, you know, as most journalists have also found, you have to make sure you, you double-check your facts before you take them as, as good. But but you, you generally get a, a feel and a pulse of the community via social media. And um, so for us, it was a great way, um, not just for finding news, but one of the big things, I think, for us was we have a lot of, um, um, we come from a lower decimal area, we have a lot of vulnerable people out there. So we were able to reach out and and be part of what was happening in terms of making sure that they were okay, that people understood what they could do to take care of them or to pass the message on that let's, you know, the Journey Church, for example, who was doing the food banks might have needed a hand to do packaging or um, that the Meals on Wheels might have needed volunteers. So there was quite a lot of things that we were actually doing to make sure that we were an active and helpful um, you know, participant within the community. You were talking about how the community responded. Did you see positive community things? Did it pull the community together? Absolutely. In our neck of the woods, we've kind of, it's a very, um, as someone who's, let me explain, as someone who's come into Tikwiti, I don't have the root system here that many of our locals do. And it, it amazed me. I mean, I can't think of any other place in New Zealand where you can walk down the road, you go into a shop, there's a sign on the door that says, please leave your red, red bands outside. So you go in and you're stocking feet. You go in, you do your business, you come back out and your red bands are still there. Now, there are very few places in New Zealand, I can tell you, that you can do that with, but you can in Tikwiti. You know, you you will still see people, you know, helping our, our elderly across the road or you know, even my own husband managed to, to drop a, a pile of something he was carrying from the shop and there was a, shall we say, a red-shirted young fella that came bounding up, here, let me help you, sir, picked it up and off he went. So, you know, there's a real quaint, quaint, 
traditionalism about tikawiti. So one of the, the most important things of the region is that you do look after their, your, your elderly. You know, if you go and shift into a new home, your neighbour is likely to turn up with a casserole or, a, as in our case, a beautifully made loaf of bread. That's kind of the sort of thing. So, so for them, it's a built-in thing that, that you should be there to help. I mean, just to give you a really good example of this, outside of, 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 of the bubble, there was a year or two ago, I'd, I'd drive into town every day and there'd be a lady sitting there on the side of the road, rugged up to the nines with two crock pots and she's got soup that she's giving away for free. And this would be at like eight o'clock in the morning. Now, you know, so, so when you ask, does the community, you know, how does it revolve around that? It, there's a big thing, um, um, and, and I think the bigger cities, our bigger towns, and I've spent time in both, miss out on that. There is a real connection um, and a real grounded connection within those communities that actually is a beautiful thing to see and experience. So I love to take part in that. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Sounds of Silence, the disturbed version. Why this one? Ah, oh, just his voice gets me every time it's a beautiful piece of music and up until um up until i can't even think of his name now darren somebody rather darren until i heard it i always thought no you could never do better than the original but this guy just absolutely owns it so yes <laughs> beautiful hello darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you Softly creeping Left it seems while I was leaving And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of silence Loose dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my color to the cold and damp When my eyes were stained by the flash of a i uh-huh. 
So, Heather, coming out of lockdown last year, returning to something resembling business as usual, was it business as usual for for the King Country? Um, I'd have to say say no. Um, it was a new normal. There was there was. I mean, we. Waitomo and the Waitomo Caves are part of our um, the jewel of our, our crown, if you like, of, of, of the Waitomo district of which Tikwiti is part. And all of a sudden they were not getting um, 90% of their tourism. And so a lot of the offshoot businesses were affected with, with that. And it was a very difficult thing to come back to. I think nobody, you know, you'd have to go back to almost war years um, or the last, you know, the Spanish flu back in the early um, 20th century before we had anything like this. And none of us had experienced this. Businesses were, you know, you're not talking about um, um, businesses that are uh, super healthy in every respect. You know, you're talking about um, service businesses, that kind of thing. Those that service the farmers, they're okay. But the tourism, uh, um, both direct and indirect, really felt a king hit with with that um so they've done well because we do have really strong number eight wire man mentality here. But if you're asking, did some of them manage to to make it? No, and I think every every town in New Zealand is in that in that position. Um, they've done as well as they can, and I have to take my hat off to those that have you know looked at eighty percent of their business you know still on the other side of world or on the other side of Tasman and they've still tried to create work for their workers um, by doing stuff like for example through the Department of, um, of Conservation or whatever else it might be some of the funding stuff that was available from the from the government they certainly tried to keep things going there but it's it, while we sort of thought yes we're out of it and we've eliminated COVID this latest round I'm not quite sure how things are going to work with with that I don't think anyone is. This new normal is something we're still trying to to work out. Do you think that number eight mentality is is that helping people in in thinking about what that new normal looks like in terms of the the let's go back to the the pivot term in terms of thinking about how they can innovate and and change what they're doing and in, in, in their work and in their lives. I think that's rather an interesting point because the further the further out and out into the provinces you go, the more evident is the number eight wire mentality. I mean, if you live in a place like this, you know, for example, I'm looking out over my my garden. I've got around about three thousand square meters of it, and I've got lots of peach trees, plum trees. I've got all sorts of things. Many of us do here. There's you know, so you know, each year you're going to go out there and you're going to bottle your plums or you're going to you know, do your apples, chuck them in the freezer and so on and so forth. So for countries, for the little country areas like ours, that new normal just means re-engaging with things that we used to do in the past. 
um, and, and and knowing that okay we're not going to be able to get that done or that particular part is not going to come from Auckland because it's stuck out in the middle of a boat somewhere or you know the manufacturer hasn't is gone down with COVID or whatever that might be so let's look sideways about how we're going to get around that problem and because we've had to do that um, you know relatively right up until recently it's not so hard for us much harder I think in the cities and and the bigger towns who have not had that they've sort of grown up I can just go and get the um, you know the meat from the from the supermarket or I can just go and get this so they don't have that connection um, and I think the ability to, to look at things when you live in areas that are prone to everything from floods to whatever uh, or, or you don't live near a town, you're half an hour or an hour, an hour and a half out of town, you, you do have to make do. So I think this the new normal for us in the provincial areas is much um, easier to adapt to than it may well be for others, for those that are not. We talked to an archaeologist who was talking about the the layers of history, in that case the, the physical layers of history, and it prompted us to be asking people about the the layers of history maybe not the literal layers but the layers of history when we people come to like dig up now and look back on on now in ter- in terms of the the newspaper you're contributing to that those layers of history when we're looking back on it in 50 100 more years time what do you think people are going to be digging up and and what story is the, is, is the newspaper going to be telling? Well, I think that's the interesting that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because if you look back on, you know, you're quite right about the layers of history and what we took um, what we took for granted and might have thought was the only thing or the only option we had or this is what, how it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, or 100 years ago. Things will obviously be a lot different then. But I think. The whole, if if we look at where we're turning, this is the beginning of the 21st century. And this is just my personal view here. Um, we're already seeing in our governance of the of the country that there has to be a change. 20th century politics and and the way that we think has to move and be put aside for other things. And I think that that's where we're at now. And our new normal needs to become much more of of that. So if you were looking ahead, say in 50 years' time, looking back. The me, me generation is kind of going to have to understand that they need to work together and pull together as a connected whole to make it work for them because it's not, you know, we're not meant to be islands in a river, you know. It just is the way it is. The way it is. So I think you'll tend to find that we're, we're having to go back to that um, that grouping network thing. So you're going to help your neighbours. Remember to look after the people around you. Remember that your circle needs to be wider than it actually is. And, you know, so I think there's, there is a definite um, reach out and there needs to be from a mental health perspective. No two ways about that. So, yeah, I just I just tend to think that there will be different things. Our, our philosophies and policies have to change. And, and there are going to be those that are not happy about that change, may not like the direction we're going. But this isn't about choice. I think this is really, it's a case of that's where we're having to go. And this year, we find ourselves back in bubbles. How did, well, you, how did the the, the, the paper perhaps tell that story of how the community, is it 
more of the same. Here we go again. We got this. What what was the kind of the 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 well, crux of the story? It was really quite funny because I'd been trying to have a week off for quite some time because I, you know we we do other things as well as the as well as the King Country News and and I, I needed some time time off so I'd organized every week off to go to Auckland and I it was on a Monday afternoon because the Tuesday paper had to be put out so I had to lay the paper out and part every Tuesday I put an editorial column in there and this particular column basically said to everybody look you need to be getting out there and getting yourself sorted because they told us last week first community case we're going to be down and locked it down have you got your stuff together have you got what you needed and if you haven't now's the time to be doing it so, of course, the paper came out on Tuesday um, and Tuesday afternoon I managed to get myself to Auckland, spent the day with my daughter and then we hear there's been this first community case. And I, and I said to my daughter, she's a book going, we're in book going, and I said to my daughter, um, this is at half past three, right, 20 to four. I said, man, I'm at the door because I know what it's going to be like. Half of Auckland's going to be hot on my tail, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Because by six o'clock, you know, she didn't believe me that we that they were going, we were going to go into lockdown. I said we're going to go into lockdown. So I, so I jumped in the car and off I got, and I was back home by ten to six, which was absolutely fine by me because we did, of course, go into lockdown. So I think everybody was sort of like, oh god, here we go again. Um, our definitely on the way home, you could see all of the supermarkets were jam packed. Everybody was in there trying to, you know, fight over their toilet paper or whatever it was that they were they were doing. But the closer to home I got, the more laconic it was. We still had a few crowded people at our supermarket, but not too many. Most people have got their stuff together. And they, they, you know, it was just a case of, oh, yeah, I better go and pick up a couple more pounds of butter or, you know, a bit more flour maybe to make the bread with. But that was that was really about it. And from that time, um, that's pretty much where it's where it's been. Everybody's just gone about business. Okay, well now I've got to scan. I've got to wear my mask. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Life has gone on in a much um, a more structured frame than it did last year. Although in saying that, um, we're certainly seeing more stress. I think from people in general, this is not a normal that people are liking overly much. Yeah, cool. I don't like wearing masks all day at work either. <laughs> the theme of this show from the outset has been positive but not deluded. And, yeah. and we've been exploring how we can sort of sit in that position. We still want to have that sort of critical awareness, but neither do we want to go down this this, this rabbit hole of, of doom. But neither do we want to be some kind of happy clappy. Mm. How do you position... The work that you do i don't know if that's a continuum but in that kind of space um because it's interesting it is interesting when you look at a newspaper we rely on our advertisers to make sure that we keep going we're a business too you know as well as telling the um the community what's going on out there we also rely on that same community to enable us to continue to do that and so we've we've come up um we've come up with a variety of ways which help our, our clients to be able to make sure that they get through too. It's one of those, I'm not going to say a symbiotic relationship, but that's that's pretty much the way it is. We have to make sure we take care of them 
in order for them to take care of us. And I think that that really is the, the whole bottom line to all of this, is that if we're going to survive, no matter what we do as a newspaper, and that's generally to provide the news, to give people like, you know, we, we will look at vaccination, for example, and we, we certainly help. Um, help pass that message on as much as we're able to. So there's lots of things that, that, that we do, but I think it does all boil down to, to us. I'm going to say that for regional people, for people like us who live in towns like we do, we're actually a lot luckier than most because we have that ability to, to be flexible, to care, and to, 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 to know that our caring for others is, um, is both reciprocated and appreciated. And it's just what you do. You know, I love that about Kiwis. It's what you do. Um, and and I, so I kind of think that, you know, for those of us south of the Bombays, we've probably got a better handle on it most of the time. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui, kia koutou, kotahuaho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better. Thank you. Now, I know that for all of us, over the last several months and for more than a year, we have been supporting ourselves and each other through this very difficult time in the midst of a global pandemic. And being part of this show and having these five minutes with you has helped me so much in that time. And I'm so grateful to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team and all of you for having me. Thank you. And I really love this show and hearing everybody's stories, everybody's wisdom. How wonderful that we can give each other the opportunity to share and to listen and to learn and to teach and to give and of course this is such an innate part of us as a species that we have co-evolved with all life in an infinite web since the universe sprang into being and this skill of sharing and communicating is so important in recognizing and celebrating who we are and it is not just our human relationships that benefit from this communication and this understanding but of course our relationships with all the other life forms that surround us. I've had to take Paul Poirot to the vet this morning because he's been bitten on the foot and he was limping and he was on the bed but growling if he was moved in any way, a poor thing. And so, of course, this normally very gentle and happy, beautiful feline person was growling and snarling and hissing because he was in pain, of course. And having been to the vet and having been given some pain relief and some antibiotics to take every day and some anti-inflammatory, he's now reverted to his happy, calm and peaceful, beautiful self that we love and are much more familiar with. And of course it's important to recognise that when we are in pain, when we are confused, when we are feeling unsettled, our behaviour does change and other aspects of ourselves come forward to defend ourselves and to let those around us know that we need help. And at this time it's so important 
when we are seeing changes in the behaviour of those we love, to recognise that this again is communication. And as gently and respectfully as we can, with as much compassion as we can, we can seek to understand what is being communicated. I know for all of us this time has been challenging and it has brought about several changes. And many of these changes, of course, are unwelcome. And as much as we can, if we can be brave and we can talk with each other about these feelings, we don't have to feel alone and we can ask for help. So I really hope for you at this time, you're finding ways to communicate in the best way for you and you're enjoying those opportunities to see when those around you are honouring you and your skills, recognising you as the nurturer that you are and asking you for help directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously. And of course, when we are asked for help, it is such a gift that inner nurturer can come forward and that very best part of us can shine. So I hope that for you this day is one that reminds you of who you are and all the wonderful, wonderful things that you can do. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Heather Carsten. Heather, the work that you do requires a pretty hefty advanced imagination. Pretty much everything you do, whether it's cooking or directing a TV show or writing your editorial or pretty much everything that you do. How do we enable our kids with that same kind of imagination as a way of helping them bridge all of the challenges that they have between now and the future? Gosh, that's that's not an easy thing. I mean, I, I'm a child of the 60s and I guess, um, and, and I'll be honest, I come from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, if you were first up, was both best fed and best dressed, no matter what you did. And we, we, we learnt, um, we had a, a work ethic. Boy, did we have a work ethic. I mean, as soon as I could stand on a chair, I was doing dishes. And I think that's kind of what it is. I mean, that and remembering as parents. And I'm a big believer in the village raise as a child theme of, of doing things. And I think if you if you can expose your children to those things, that look, they have to learn a work ethic, that's number one, because you can't, you know, to get out there and actually experience things is number two. So you can take them fishing or you can take them to the beach or you can go and help, as I do with, it, with our grandkids, um, they come out and they help us dig the gardens or they'll get out there and they'll help me um, uh, make plum jam or, or whatever it is. It's each of those little experiences gives them something when they're growing up. And I'll be honest, my dad was a gypsy. We shifted around about 25 times before I'd even left home. So, you know, but for, for us, it was there's, there's always the opportunity to do something different. If that's not working, you know, you can always learn the cha cha, two steps sideways, one step forwards. You know, you're still traveling, aren't you? And that's that's how that's been my biggest thing with my children and my grandchildren and those around me. Nothing, life should never stop you. And and I'll be honest, I've been disabled since I was sixteen. I only have thirty percent hearing. I mean, have you ever had a journalist who's you know who's an editor? She's only got thirty percent hearing. Disabled is only that if you make it. And I don't choose to make it that way. And and I think that's really what it is. Teach your kids to be as open-minded as possible, you know. Life life on a six-lane highway is, is a heck of a lot better, you know, a lot more varied 
then stuck in a, in a, in a, on a pathway somewhere where you can't go anywhere. Yeah. So that's my what's view the, on it. What's the challenges that our kids have got, things like climate change, the future of work, um, COVID, um, constant references to an education system that doesn't work and a health system that doesn't work. There's all of this negativity that, that's right there in front of them all the time. And, uh, and they're often presented with information that might not be correct. And we, we tell them all the time that they can't believe everything they read. And that there's just so much, there's this constant bombardment of negative. Yeah. How do you, how do you reckon we give we, them the resilience or enable the resilience in them? You've got to teach them one small thing you know many many years ago i learned this many years ago i'm this is christmas time at uh bay fair in tauranga this is before it became the huge big thing it is now and i've come around the back and everybody's walking along they've got the stress look that you do at christmas time and i see this older couple in their 60s come around the corner laughing their heads off hand in hand and they're kicking a tin can and i'm far enough away they're having a ball right they don't care what anybody else is doing but I'm far enough away to watch the reactions of everybody around them. And all of a sudden you see these people start to smile and start to grin and the shoulders start to drop and the stress comes off it. The lesson in that is make sure that you find the happiness in the littlest things because it's those little memories that, you, that, that, that mean the most, those personal things that mean the most, the things that make you life, realise that no matter how big or heavy or structured life can be, it can be, it's those little fun, beautiful things that actually make it worth living. And that's that's been my philosophy and that's the one that I teach. And so far it seems to have stood me in good stead. I like that go a lot. And, go, and, go and kick a tin can. <laughs> You'll make somebody happy. <laughs> I'm going to squeeze in the second of your music choices. Jim Steinman surfs up. Why this? Um, I just, it was a, a time in my life that I, I needed to have something that was, um, and music has always guided, how would I put this, big events of my life, I've always got bits of music that I remember. And this one was, you know, we all have lessons, I think, in our, in our lifetime that we have to do. And I lost a partner um, some years back to cancer. And this particular song was, uh, was it resonated for me at the time. So, yeah, that's why I have it. When waves are pounding on the sand tonight I want to take your hand and make you feel so right
Heather, we've seen lots of changes in society over the the last year and a bit, nearly two years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? What I hope will stick is the realisation that we do need to take care of everyone around us, that it's not just about us and how we survive, that money is not everything. And that's easy for me to say. I'm, you know, we've, we've come through that uh, relatively well. There has to be another way where we can go through um, scenarios like this where people are not going to struggle because they've lost their job. And this is not easy in today's times where we talk about high house prices and high rents and the things that perhaps, you know, we've always, of our generation, have always taken for granted. But I think these days we have to look at how are we going to how are we going to get through as a society, remembering that caring for one another really is what dictates what humanity is, and we need to remind ourselves what humanity means each and every one of us each day. And that's how I see that. You know, you can't do it any other way. I mean, until such time as we can turn around and say, well, money isn't going to isn't the, isn't going to be the be all and end all of everything as it currently is, and I. Heaven only knows what's going to happen with that one because we live in a in, in, in a in a global situation where who's going to pay all that money back? I still can't fathom that out. <laughs> but in here in New Zealand, we're really lucky, and I think we need to look at other other countries and actually realise this that we have we've all got a bit of land that we can chuck a spud or a lettuce into. We've you know we've all got the ability if 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 you don't personally have it, your neighbour probably does, you know. And it's it's a case of if you want to go in there and help her build um build a fence or what have you, um and she might give you something in it's, it's that give and take thing. We need to learn to give more rather than take as much as we've as much as we've done. Remember what life is about, it's for living. I think the best way I can think of to 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 express that is that somebody once said to me, you know, um you 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 work to, to live, not live to work. And that's what we need to come back to. Why do you think the be kind message has resonated so much? Is it that that just that premise of caring that you're talking about? I believe it is because we've forgotten what that meant. You know, I'm old enough now. I'm in my in my sixties. I'm old enough now to to remember prior to 1980s. We had a lot of that. That was that was just what the way we lived. And then all of a sudden, we had this new generation came on that was very much user pays. If you use it, you pay for it. It's me. It's me. And we forgot the basic tenets of who we are, which is let's care. Let's you know, let's make sure that we take care of our elderly, of our infirm. They're vulnerable. You know, let's be shoulders of support to one another when we're going through tough times. And I think that we forgot a lot of that with that particular generation because that was the way they were brought up. You had all rights and no responsibilities, which is never a healthy way to be. And so now we're actually looking at around the other way, which we've got a lot of responsibilities, not so many rights. That's not a bad thing. What do you think we could do to encourage that to stick? I'm thinking about during the lockdown, during the last lockdown, the big one, we all thought about how good it was that we were walking around our neighbourhoods and not rushing around being busy. And then as soon as we were free, and we said, well, let's, this is good, let's do this. And to a large extent, we all rushed back to work and carried on being busy. Mm. We we kind of have this realisation, how can we do the same thing to keep on, to hang on to that let's care essence? Yeah. 
my big thing is I firmly believe that we need to get rid of a lot of our um, 20th century and earlier um, political philosophies. I do believe that. We need to go more into taking care of who we are as a community. Our community should be our first priority. All right. It is us as a whole. We're all part of this great big, you know, this great big thing that that it's not about us. It's about everyone. So we take care of our communities first. Now, that means that we have to look at um, different ways in the future. For example, we have this thing to do with the unemployment benefit. And there was a fascinating program a few years back. I can't remember if you the name of it, but Nigel Latter hosted it with young entrepreneurs and, and, and the new looks. And they had some fantastic ideas of how we might do that. And I think it's, to me, it's a shame that that program actually wasn't brought up in front of our current political parties and that look at how this might work. Find out how we can make this work so that we have this really good balance between work because we want to, um, work because it's going to pay for this, or there is a universal living benefit, which is, you know, and I hate the word benefit, I think we need to take that way there's actually a different way out there that you can do these things we just need to investigate it you know model it see if it will happen and that needs to be happening now it's not something that i think we can leave too much longer um, we do have to make some changes because the current system has to fall it can't keep going the way it is where we owe so much money we're not earning it, you know. <laughs> I dread to be, you know, I look at, luckily for me, my daughter's already got a house, but if the, the gap is becoming that wide between the haves and have-nots, and it's through no fault of their own, we've got to find a way, you know. We've got to find a way to balance it you know, a little bit. I'm just not quite sure how that is. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not in the belief of, you know, sharing what I personally work for. If you want some money off me, you come up my driveway and you help me weed my garden. <laughs> I don't have an issue with that, but there has to be there has to be a bit of a balance a, a way that we still continue that community mindedness and the care and the raising of our children as a village um, and we do this as a collective whole you know that that is I think um, something we need to we need to look more into but this the way we've been doing things no it can't last Heather I have some questions to end the show what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years the biggest success I've had is the total turnaround and rebrand of the King Country News, which was the Waitomo News. Um, I set out to do that, and we've done that. We've done that well, and uh, I have a fantastic team who have helped me achieve that. And um, that's for me. That's been my biggest success so far. Congratulations! What's your superpower? God, <laughs> do I have one? Um, superpower. I like to think that it is um, my ability to see outside the square. Or the rectangle. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking. I, my father, who was an ex-army man, used to say, there's no such word as can't. You remember that? There's no such word as can't. And so, you know, although I used to like to try and, you know, tell him I couldn't fly to the moon and things like that, it, 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 it didn't, that didn't stick with him. And I guess that's a big one. No such word as can't. Yeah. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? <laughs> uh, this is an interesting word that my mum she was one of those originally you could call her a militant feminist or a feminine militant I'm never quite sure which one she was um but but a little bit like that yes I mean if there's something out there that needs saying or doing I'm I used to be all fire and brimstone and that kind of thing but these days I like to work more behind the scenes and actually help create the 
the change, not not be the the mouthpiece. If that makes sense, you know, you can you can stand up and say this has to change, but unless you're prepared to back it up with a solution on how you want to make that change happen, it's just rhetoric, isn't it? So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> My husband. <laughs> no, no, this is not correct. <laughs> What gets me out of bed in the morning? I still, even at 61 nearly, want to make a difference. I still believe that there are things out there that I can do that can, even if it's a tiny, small change for just one person, that, that I can still have some you know, some input and some impact in that. I still believe that there is things to be done, and I'll probably believe that till the day I die. And a giant garden to look after. Yeah, yeah. These days, thanks to said body being abused the way it was when I was younger, I supervise my husband. <laughs> I still do all the processing of the fruit and the vegetables and whatever. But um, he he's he's the the wonder man when it comes to getting out there and getting getting everything in. And I quite happily supervise about where it should go and you know that kind of thing. So, what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh. I want to. I believe that every town in New Zealand has a story to tell, and I'm 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 still trying to talk my husband into it. And I, I reckon I'm about eighty five percent there. I want to be able to go to towns like, for example, we went to Tiara recently, and I went to the museum there. I used to live in Tiara, so you'd think I'd know this, but I didn't. It was such a hotbed of women who were very much involved in the emancipation like a hotbed. And so you look at places like this and I want to do the research. I want to write books about what, you know, you can you can do a lot of fictional stuff based on reality there. And there's so many stories that New Zealand has. Every town has them. You just have to dig them up and find them. So that's my retirement plan. Travel around the country. He's going to do some gold panning and I'm going to be writing books. Yeah. That sounds fun. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Never give up. You know, as hard as life can be, there's always a way around things. And I did learn that. And I've learned that, as I said before, through my disabilities. Um, I've not never been prepared to sit on my backside and go, that's it, I can't do it. You know, if I have to learn the cha-cha several ways, then that's what I'll do to, to, to do it. If, if the opportunities I want aren't there, I'll go and make them. And I think that's the best thing. You know, you have to have life. Life has to be a half glass full. I prefer a three-quarter glass full, but half glass at least, <laughs> as long as there's something in it, you know, as long as there's something in it. But that's what it is, never give up, never give up. Thank you for that. Moera? Heather, it's been, um, it's been a real joy, actually, really fun to watch yours and Ken's adventures over these years and the things you've done and the places you've gone and the, the impact that you've made in every place where you've been and... Um, I like that you are a person who really walks their talk and you're such a good role model for others. And thank you for all the good work you do in your community and all the communities. <laughs> there have been a few, haven't there? <laughs> thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Just cause everybody doing 
thinking that we could be something for real Now am I wrong For trying to reach the things that I can't see But that's just how I been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Nico and Vince. Am I wrong? I'm Samuel Lane and Soyuz Bay Dunedin with Muera Karatai in Fakatani and we've been joined by Heather Carsten in Tikuiti. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.